Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Now let's get started with Robert, Qualio founder and CEO, and our show host. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of From Lab to Launch. I'm really excited today to welcome Claire Bonassi to the show. Claire currently serves as Senior Director of the Pharma Subvertical of the U.S. Health and Life Sciences Department at Microsoft. Claire works in partnership with U.S. life sciences companies, pharma, and health organizations to create innovative Microsoft solutions specific to the company's issues affecting their patients and their business. She brings with her an expertise in the clinical trial and pharmaceutical industry. Having been a global study lead on oncology clinical trials at a large pharmaceutical company prior to joining Microsoft, she has a deeper understanding of the clinical trial value chain and the complex nuances that biotechnology and life sciences companies experience. Also, Claire is passionate about the many services and innovations Microsoft has to offer to reduce time to market for new drugs and provide better outcomes to patients. In addition to Claire's work at Microsoft, she is also the producer and host of the Confessions of Health Geeks podcast, an industry-focused podcast on the biggest trends and pain points in health and life sciences today. Claire also has a passion for inspiring young women to be interested in STEM and leadership roles in STEM-related fields. On our show today, we cover a wide range of topics and trends in life sciences, all from her unique perspective. I really hope you enjoy. But uh, there, I just, just to say, I've followed some of what you've some of what you've put out there online, and I've looked over your background. I, I think you've just to say a super interesting um, story, and you're working in a really interesting place at a really interesting time. And just to say, what I anchor that to is, you know, Andreessen uh, launched a seven hundred and fifty million dollar biofund three at the beginning of this year, and just like they said, software is eating the world. You know, uh, several years ago, I, what I anchored on was that they said bio is not the next new thing; bio is becoming everything. And you're working in a software company in a way that's now looking at bio as a really huge opportunity. So I was just hoping to maybe kick off there. I, I'd love to. Just, you know, what does that mean to you and your role at Microsoft and maybe the broader company? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I I will say that I love what I do. I love that um, technology companies like Microsoft, like Google, like Amazon, that they do have this newfound um, kind of these organizations or these side departments that are focused on healthcare and specifically in pharma and life sciences. I think that is one part of the industry, part of the healthcare industry that is um, kind of a little bit further behind than maybe providers or uh, insurance companies. And I think it's something that really will be kind of taking over the world. If you even just think about, you know, we're ingesting drugs all the time. Um, and realistically, like we need technology to further uh, drug discovery, to further the research and development. And it really, it touches every part of healthcare. Um, and these companies need to kind of get up to speed when it comes to involving technology. What does that mean for, for Microsoft, right? And I'm sure everybody knows Microsoft, a huge footprint, one of the world's most valuable companies. But why does this mean for, for you and, and the company specifically? 
Yeah, well, I think, you know, for any large tech company, I think this really is just another way to to try to help um, the industry as a whole, but also help patients, to help people, to really kind of help everyone achieve and empower um, themselves to kind of make educated decisions and really have the best uh, to choose from. I think, um, you know, really the silver lining of the pandemic was kind of that fast adoption of technology into healthcare, which I love, um, you know, I think what used to take years is being condensed to months right now, which uh, I think the reason is really just that there's such a high demand for it. Um, and I think the pandemic is changing different parts of healthcare. And finally, people are kind mm -hmm. of realizing that tech companies like Microsoft, like the others can help in that dynamic and help in these kind of uh, kind of pandemics or, or large global crises. I think a great example in pharma is, is the switch to decentralized trials or virtual trials. Yeah. Um, you know, that's something that I think the industry needed for a long time and there was always interest, but uh, finally getting the push to to make that happen has been great. Um, I think it's it's something that is a long time coming and really the pandemic is kind of what facilitated that. And that's something you're involved? Is that something Microsoft has rolled in today? Yeah, I think definitely all technology companies are looking into that, yeah. um, especially Microsoft, especially just other tech companies, because they're seeing that in the market and in the industry that there is a need for that. And you mentioned that going back a step before the insurance companies and some of the healthcare delivery that, I mean, this industry is, is a bit more traditional or more conservative, or maybe not, you know, operating at pushing the envelope quite so much as the, you know, later into the delivery chain. What are some examples of that that you've seen? Well, I think, you know, mainly it's just um, a fear of moving forward or a fear of technology. I think specifically in, in pharma, it's just that things have worked so well before. Um, generally, healthcare is, is very regulated. It's a very highly regulated industry. And so I think it's just kind of, we've been meeting the status quo and things have been chugging along. So mm -hmm. why change what's not broken? But I think um, we're kind of seeing now that there's more of a consumerization of healthcare and there's a new focus on patient experience and patient engagement. And I think these companies are realizing that, you know, they're not up to speed with that. They are not giving patients what they really need and what they really want. You know, yeah. Amazon, anything, you can do anything with Amazon. People want the same thing from their healthcare. They don't want to, yeah. to go in and wait and fill in more information that they've done last time. They want to have a very easy process. They want it to be seamless. So I think um, finally that's being realized. You mentioned speed. A couple of times in this, in what you said, and if I look at this year for us, and like what are some of the trends? Clearly, there are some things everybody's aware of, and a lot of challenges. Something I've noticed is I think it seems that speed was not as prioritized in the past. Well, clearly, safety and efficacy and all these things are really important. But what I'm noticing this year is it's a call we call it like speed with quality. Right now, I think being able to move at a velocity closer to other verticals, I think now it's becoming prized. And it's been exciting for me to see because that's a good thing to have a faster pace. But uh, have you seen similar? I'm curious if there's any examples that you have of, of that change. Yeah, well, definitely. I think I've, I've seen that a lot more frequently and more recently than I have in the past. Um, I think previously the, the mindset was, you know, haste makes waste. I think everyone thought we do it too fast. We're not going to have good quality, but um, seeing other industries do that. And I think, I honestly think that the pandemic is kind of what spurred this. We need to move faster. We need to adopt some of these technology hurdles that we didn't want to yep. uh, approach before. And the whole reason is that, you know, patients need it and we're in this predicament and we're in this crisis. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that there was just such a push by the pandemic to um, make the entire healthcare industry kind of move faster, which I'm really yeah. happy. Yeah, really- I, I, I think the vaccine piece is a really interesting example of, of that because the clinical trials still have had the same number of participants, like they're pretty much what they always are, but a lot of the other items are being massively sped up, right? And I think that's been really interesting to see. I don't think everything will go like that because that's such a huge global effort, but I think there's lessons learned. Uh, I'm excited to see how those lessons learned get applied. Um, I mean, I could talk about the top high level here for a while, but but for you in particular, Clear, I mean, you have a really interesting background. I'm sure that, you know, I'd like to be a big part of leading like a global tech giants, you know, focus in, in moving into this the most important industry of the coming decade. I'm sure a lot of people would be interested to learn. How did you, how did you get in there? I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of a weird story. So actually in college, I studied biochemistry and, um, you know, I was kind of set to go into the lab and just do research for the rest of my life. Uh, but I think right after I graduated, I did a summer of research in a lab, realized I could not do it. I could not do that day in, day out. Um, and so that's why I decided to actually work at a large pharmaceutical company, specifically in clinical operations. And while I was there for almost four years, I really focused on, on clinical trial management for large um, global phase three oncology trials in particular. And I loved it. I thought it was great every day. You're kind of doing something new. Um, and while I was there, I, I think the biggest takeaway that I got was that there was so much room for improvement in the industry as a whole. So I didn't necessarily see it as an issue with the company I was at. I saw it across the entire industry just by talking to people um, that I knew at other at other pharma companies or just kind of at other um, CROs. And it was kind of across the entire industry. So I think also being in Seattle, it, it kind of helped that I was surrounded by these very large innovative tech companies. You know, Microsoft is 20 minutes from me. Amazon is 10 minutes away. We have a Google office and there's tons mm-hmm. of startups um, specifically around AI and healthcare in Seattle. So I think I just I felt very strongly at the time when I was at this pharma company that my industry knowledge could try to help advance the industry as a whole and actually help patients. Um, that was always kind of my ultimate goal. I, I'm very big on believing in making a big impact and I wanted to do it at scale. So uh, that kind of started my journey in trying to work for a tech company and trying to use my knowledge to, uh, to help them help the patients and help the customers. Thanks for sharing. And, and you joined Microsoft last year. So I'm curious when, when that opportunity came around, was that a position they had, like, is, was this now they're going to market this as a priority or do you just meet somebody and, and create the role? I'm, I'm curious how this is evolving. No, so definitely. I mean, Microsoft is, we are involved in health. We are, um, it's, it's something that they have been very committed to for many years. And so this, this group had already existed. Uh, it just happened, you know, being in Seattle, I think that always helps. Okay. And really just, you know, being open to any opportunity and being open to any group. I think that's true at any large tech company. I think most companies right now, uh, tech companies are focused on healthcare, whether that's just a side department or kind Mm -hmm. of uh, an overarching mission statement that they're trying to have. I think they're really getting more focused on healthcare because they're seeing that it has such a large impact. Do you see the the share of attention if there was a pie chart, you know, for these companies and attention? Has that been changing how much is going here in the last couple of years or is or is it pretty much a steady march? I, I believe it's been increasing. Um, I guess yeah. that's my own opinion. I don't have any actual yeah. you know, market data from that, but just from what I've been seeing and, and maybe it's biased because I'm in the industry, but I have been noticing that these mm-hmm. companies are really trying to focus a little bit more on healthcare. I think, um, you know, everyone has employees that obviously care about their health, their family's health. 
And that's something mm. that just every company has to take in mind. And so even when you think about it that way, it's like, well, they have to do something when it comes to just their employees' health. And then when they kind of broaden that to helping the industry as a whole, I think they're realizing that this is a market that needs a lot of help. Yeah. And you said, you know, studying in bio, interesting just tidbit I learned recently was you try and predict where, where people are, what they're going to do in the future. And uh, apparently the last few years, and Stanford to take an example, has had uh, pretty much the same number of applicants to bio-related fields as CS-related fields. So if you look at, like you follow that, you know, the, all the way back and you see things like, you know, the speed becoming important, uh, adoption of like virtual clinical trials as an example of, that's kind of a broader democratization of the space. I think that's, I think it's pretty plain from our perspective that there's a lot of exciting things coming down the track really quickly. So I think having, being able to partner with, with services like our companies like Microsoft could be really useful for them because like once upon a time, there was no Microsoft Azure or AWS, right? Picking two services near you in, in, in the software game. I believe that there's opportunities. And I see it for firms like Microsoft, Amazon, and other big giants to help create infrastructure so that these companies can now be, you know, a seed funded to some success rather than IPO first, which was, you know, Gilead, I'm sure IPO before he released his first product. I don't know that, but it probably did. Yeah, no, that's true. That's 100% true. And I think that's why there's such a big push also to focus on startups and in these smaller companies that we're not always paying attention to. And I think large tech companies are actually beginning to notice that and focus on, okay, how can we foster this community of startups and help them and kind of give them the resources that they need to become that next big Uber or that next big company? I'm curious with, with that message. I mean, uh, your podcast, Confessions of, of Health Geeks, uh, I've listened to a few episodes and I'm curious how the podcast fits into that kind of narrative that, that, that we're talking about and, and, and startups. Like, well, what was the purpose behind that? And, and what are you hoping to achieve with it? Yeah. So uh, the Confessions of Hellgeeks podcast was really started to just kind of get the name out on what tech companies are doing with healthcare, what um, my team, our, our thought leaders are really seeing in the industry and healthcare as a whole. So um, we have tons of of really highly, uh, highly skilled and highly educated people on the team at Microsoft um, that really just focus on healthcare. They focus on on pharma and life sciences like myself, mm-hmm. providers or payers. And they're just seeing so much in the market, whether that's talking to customers or their previous work experience and trying to share that knowledge. Um, yeah. I think part of really part of trying to change the industry and trying to um, bring it up to speed is just the knowledge piece. And so part of the, the whole reason behind the podcast was just to kind of share opinions and share that thought leadership piece that we have. Um, and then, of course, kind of work with, with smaller startups, try to work with companies to try to just get their, their opinion in the industry. Yeah. Really excited to have other voices helping demystify and kind of open this up to more people there. So uh, thank you for, for joining that, that, that message. I'm curious with all that work you do, what are the big challenges facing companies today? Like starting the next, you know, um, computational biology or medical image AI, or who knows what it is. What do you see as the big roadblocks that are still huge barriers? Yeah, well, definitely. Um, I'm sure there are tons of roadblocks, but the few that I kind of see pop up a lot are just that things are not um, they're not interoperable. They're not really working together. They're not seamless. I think that's a problem with, with patients that, uh, you know, you're going to have to go to three different apps when you have three different kinds of doctors or you're going to physical therapy and you don't have, and you have a, a primary caregiver and nothing really comes together. Um, and I think companies are now seeing that as well, that that is a problem. So I think that's one of the big roadblocks. And then two, I really just think adoption of technology in the case of pharma, um, 
the need for decentralized trials was there for a while. And just because of the pandemic, it's been uh, kind of sped up. But I think it was a roadblock before because of just how highly regulated the industry is as a whole. So I think there's that fear factor of, well, things are working fine. Let's just continue kind of doing the same things that we've always done. Um, and we don't really need to kind of go over that hurdle and uh, kind of redo things or, or change how we're doing things. So I almost just think it, it's a fear issue at, at some points. Yeah, uh, I would see, I, I think the first one and the second one are things we see every day. But speaking of the interoperability, the, the way that we see this is like, it, it's it's a fragmentation, right? A fragmentation at, at every level and in every context. And if you, if you look at, we, we talk about quality is kind of like our, our, our core strength and strength. And I call quality is, it's like the, the a co-equal promise to the Hippocratic Oath. And, and what you're stating is essentially, I, I define quality as these products and services are going to be safe. They're going to work effectively. They will work consistently. It's, it's, it's simple to say, it's hard to do. And in a world where you have the teams, the tools, the systems, the end users, all in different places, that's without bringing them together, it's like rolling the dice, going to Vegas, right? If you got it. And that, that's, that was kind of a motive made, motivated me back in the day when, well, we have something, we have a job to do here. And then the tech adoption is um, maybe not the only path to solving this because there's lots of other things too. But I think that's the promising thing I'm seeing now is people are looking at, well, these are soft problems in, in other domains. How do we translate those solutions in here? So I think that, I think we're at the beginning of a huge transformation with that. It gets me excited every day. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I'm, I'm really excited. I think the future holds a lot of opportunity in this, in this industry. I'm curious about lessons learned. I mean, you've, you've a lot more experience than we speak to a lot of teams, right? And great engineers, great product people, oftentimes they, they may have come from an industry, but oftentimes now we're seeing a lot of people come from, you know, I, I might have worked at Big Tech Co., and now I have this idea. This, is, this have, has a medical use, but they have no idea what they're doing because it's complicated in a way that they're not used to any lessons learned you have from from speaking with so many people and doing your work to kind of help help people along that journey and you know don't give up yeah no definitely i think one of the biggest lessons learned i've learned over the last year and a half of being at microsoft but also previously when i was at a large pharma company was that we all need to be agile and we need to be able to pivot and be flexible when it comes to implementing new solutions I think it's, it's really easy to become so focused and caught up in, in the buzzwords or the new shiny objects yeah. like, like big data, like machine learning. I feel like people just throw those around. Um, and I think we really, we need to resist that as much as possible. We need to focus more on problems and solutions and asking questions. One thing I learned um, was that I really love asking for those like day in the life examples from our customers, from our partners, because it helps kind of better understand those problems. And it gives you kind of that empathetic mindset to really understand where their frontline workers are coming from. You know, how are nurses doing their day-to-day -day work? Like what does a clinical trial manager spend 90% of their time doing? Uh, are doctors, you know, doing most of their work on their phone or on, on a tablet, on a chart, et cetera. I just think it helps kind of give you a different perspective and actually learn okay, here's what I should be trying to solve for and not here's some, some products you can buy and, and fix all of your problems that I don't know that you have. Speaking to a broadening of the skill sets or teams involved in this, because you mentioned uh, things that feel like modern product management, modern UX and user research design. Do you think they're now getting a bigger seat at the table next to, of course, the hard, all the hard science and the safety and the regulatory piece? Do you think they're coming together? Because I think that's obviously, because I should 
stop and ask you the question, but I'll, I'll give the example of our adherence. It's a friction problem, right? An example we give for Qualio is it's a Friday afternoon and you have to do some things. Do you do them or do you go ah, next week? Just like here's this medical product. Do I do it or do I just do something else right now? And like the path of least resistance is the default path as humans in life. And I, I believe that that is a that is a being weighted more appropriately now versus they'll figure it out to have to. We all know lots of people don't necessarily do things because they have to and then they get sick and that doesn't work. No, I agree with that. And that's why I think that there has to be more of that focus on actually understanding the problems that companies are facing and, and coming up with very unique solutions. I, I've never come across a customer that has um, a problem that someone else has had. Mm. It's all very unique. And that's why I think things really do have to be built very specifically for a very specific problem. Um, yeah. And I agree that it all has to come together. It has to be what um, a specific person is looking for. There has to be that aspect of patient engagement or clinician engagement um, and no noticing and knowing that their experience is going to be very unique and how can we account for that or how can we change to make it easier for them to, to understand or to use and just make it more seamless. Mm. Uh, I'm curious, are there any resources you'd point out to people? And um, we're clearly going to add a link to your podcast in the show notes. And I, I recommend everybody listen in, in particular to some of the more recent episodes. But um, any, anything else before you point people? You know, not in particular. I really think just doing as much research as you can on specific issues or uh, problems that you're noticing in the industry and, and just staying up to date when it comes to technology. Um, there's just so many resources out there when it comes to uh, different articles you can read or just focusing on, mm. you know, what are companies doing? What are startups doing? I think um, I try to learn as much as I can just by kind of Googling things uh, and just determining what are the new startups coming up and what are the problems that they're trying to solve. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, there was one resource that just came, came to my mind, and it takes me all the ways back to the early days at Qualio, but there's a person called Steve Blank, who, you know, one of his nicknames is like the, you know, the, the, the father of like the lean startup movement, but um, he's has some very influential writing about the idea of iterate, iterations and understanding the core problems, and that is you know, move quite slowly, you, you might say, compared to, you know, a consumer software product, right? But what are the learnings that can translate over? I, I recommend anybody, uh, we might add those show notes as well at the bottom. It's it's, it's a lot of content from a lot of years. It's a really great source of there for people. But um, I think that's the one I might, might point out. Uh, you know, Claire, this is this is like, um, I feel like I chat to you for an, an hour or two. I'm just curious, is there anything else to add before, before we wrap up today? You know, nothing I can think of. Um, I think my only last piece of advi advice would be to yeah. try not to be complacent. Um, I know it's easy to always be in a rush. And uh, I think at this point, you know, it's better to focus on quality than quantity. So whatever that means to you, hopefully that will kind of help in whatever processes you're trying to fix. Yeah, that, that's music to my ears, Claire. Thanks for thanks for, for sharing that. I really appreciate you catching up with us on, on a, a Wednesday in December. Is there any way that you know, I could be helpful or Qualia could be helpful or any way we might want to stay in touch or, or anything you might want to might want to do definitely we, we should stay in touch um i'll, I'll talk to my uh, my colleagues see if we can have do a reverse have you on the podcast so um, that, that'd be really awesome yeah to stay in touch and uh we we share so much knowledge back and forth i feel like it's, it's best to keep it going clear so thank you again uh happy holidays are almost around the corner vaccines are coming next yeah. year is going to be a great year Yes, no, seriously. Thank you so much. Clear. Have, have a great day. I love to stay in touch and we, we make something happen. All right. Talk, okay. talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From Lab to Launch, brought to you by Qualio. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.